Hello and welcome to Science Unscripted. Gabe here, and uh, you'll have to wait one, wait one more week for Connor. He'll be he'll be back with us next week. This is the last show where it's just me, and we're gonna go. We're gonna start with an email that we got about the the, the New Year's show. This is from Diana, who said that she enjoyed the New Year's Eve show, and her favorite Indian language is we played five different languages that are spoken in India. Her favorite one was. The first one that, that, that we played, I think Aunt Connor and I both like that one as well, and she said that she's curious about the English language, uh, that so many people love someone with an accent, be it British, Scottish, Irish, or from the southern states. Why are people so enthralled with accents? That's a, that's a very good question. And she's saying that um, both of us, that Connor and I, we must have an English accent when we speak German. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Connor. I would say Connor's is 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 more because I I don't know. I speak German with with less of an English accent than Connor does. Uh, I'm looking at our our German colleague here, Tomas, the the guy behind the window pressing the buttons. What do you think, Tomas? Well, he's saying that um, it's different. We speak different <laughs> when we speak German. Anyways, Diana says that she does enjoy. Our show very much uh, always gives her something to think about. That's that's just wonderful. And we got one more from Britta, our German listener, who is uh, fire and flame when she listens to to Connor's English. And that, by the by, by the way, it's because his English is accent less. So that's a little different than Diana. Diana is wondering why people are so enthralled with accents. Britta likes Connor's English because it doesn't have an accent at all. Anyways, let's get a little, a little bit of a news. Research out of Turkey suggests that even the simplest forms of social interaction, like saying hi or thank you to a stranger, can have a positive impact on our life satisfaction. The findings, published in Social Psychological and Personality Science, were based in part on 3,000 interviews conducted throughout the entire country of Turkey. There was also a sample taken from the United Kingdom of 60,000 adults. Both groups were surveyed about what are known as, quote, minimal social interactions, short, sometimes only one word, impromptu exchanges in public spaces with people that you don't necessarily know. They were also assessed for overall well-being. In both samples from Turkey and the UK, people who frequently greeted, thanked, or conversed reported greater life satisfaction. The researchers also used an instrumental variable analysis that suggests the link is not only correlational, but possibly also causal. While compelling, one must add that these results are still based on self-reporting. Future work would have to examine individual instances of how minimal social interaction affects well-being, and that over extended periods of time. If you want to read that study, it's called Minimal Social Interactions and Life Satisfaction, the Role of Greeting, Thanking, and Conversing. AI knows when we're going to die. A machine learning set of algorithms concocted at the Technical University of Denmark has been shown to accurately predict when human beings will die when fed the right information. The researchers were privy to a decade of day-to-day -day data from all six million people in Denmark, including health records, salary, working hours, and place of residence. 
From that, they created a deep learning model that can map out detailed sequences of how Danish lives will develop. And when it comes to predicting when people will die, it was right almost eight out of ten times. To test this, the deep learning model analyzed a subset of 100,000 people between the ages of 30 and 55 from the data bank of all Danes. Half of these people had died by 2016, the other half had not. Based on the data given, the researchers wanted to see if the algorithm could pick which ones had died. In 78% of the time, the machine was right. This is better than any other technology used by actuary scientists at this moment by over 10%. And that is truly scary. What kind of people decide to invest in cryptocurrencies? A study out of Norway says it might very well have to do with gender and personality traits. Researchers at the University of Agder wanted to better understand the profile of people willing to invest in cryptocurrencies, which are digital or virtual currencies protected by blockchain cryptography that allow for transactions without the help of banks or other financial institutions. In the study, 1,700 Norwegian adults, half male, half female, with an average of 52 years, were asked what they felt about investing in cryptocurrencies and whether they do themselves. Also, the survey included assessments of financial literacy and the big five personality traits, extroversion, agreeableness, openness, conscientiousness, and neuroticism. The researchers found that about one in ten, overall one in ten Norwegians would be willing to invest in cryptocurrencies, and that 12.5% of males compared to only 5.6% of females regarded cryptocurrencies as a relevant investment alternative. Individuals who were more financially overconfident, less agreeable, less conscientious, and more open to experience were likely to view cryptocurrencies as a viable investment option. The caveat here is pretty obvious. The study is limited to Norway, and Norway happens to be one of the most gender-neutral countries on Earth. If you want to read more, the title of the study is Crypto Cravings, gender differences in crypto investment intentions, and the mediating roles of financial overconfidence and personality. That's enough news here for now. Let's just uh, listen to a quick song. And this has, or at least the text of this song here, it's important to listen to it because it absolutely leads to what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the show. How are you feeling? Great. 
That is a lie. Thank you. Julia, you're in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> I am, but... Thanks for coming. Why I'm here, Gabe? I need to ask you a question about um, status symbols. Oh. And you happen to be vegan. <laughs> yeah. And that True. that might be... Is that an immater? Is that a status symbol? Do you are you a vegan because it um, it's a way for you to convey your who you are in society? It doesn't. Have you ever thought about that before? No, I haven't. It doesn't feel like that to me. Um, oh, at least what are what are your status symbols then? Let's let's start there. That's that's a good question. Um, I don't I don't have a car. I don't own a house. I don't. Have a dog. <laughs> you don't really have anything. <laughs> I have a lot, I'd say. But um, my status symbol is maybe maybe being fit, doing sports, a lot of lot of sports. Maybe that is if if that counts as an immaterial status symbol. Yeah, that's. I mean, that would be the question. So you are you are fit, and you use that as a way to show other people who you are. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> Or com as a way to compare yourself with the people around you. Probably as well, yeah. Because that, that's the I never really thought about that. but Well, that's the thing. That's the topic today. I was, I was driving in the car a couple of days ago, and I heard an interview with a researcher from Dusseldorf about this topic, and I just it got me thinking, what, what are status symbols? Because the point of the interview is that they're changing. They're changing. They used to be driving a big car or a or wearing an expensive watch on your arm and that was a way to show other people what you have compared to them that, mm -hmm. that they can't have. Mm -hmm. And that's apparently changing. From and, material and, to immaterial. Yeah, and, and one of the one of the new symbols <clears throat> is is well, they're more it's a more of a lifestyle thing now. If more of a um sustainability <laughs> consciousness and But if you yeah, think about people how people do live their lives today and people who have enough money certainly travel a lot. And I wouldn't say this is, I mean, you could say this is an immaterial status symbol because you have to certainly have enough money to do that. And you can take pictures and spread them around social yeah. media and show people where you've yeah. been. Yeah. But if we are honest, it's, it's, it's consumption at its best, isn't it? Par excellence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. material and immaterial. I don't know. Being vegan is I mean, is it about belonging to a certain group or is it why do we have status symbols at all? This would be the point in our talk, Yulia, where where we would pass the baton as it were and and meet Meet this researcher, Lioba Gierke, from Dusseldorf. Science Unscripted. Okay, well, hi, my name is Lioba Gierke. I just completed my PhD at the WHU Otto Beissen School of Management in the topic of leadership. And together with Fabiola Gerpot, I edited a book on status symbols. It all started with an observation during the pandemic, I have to say, When all of a sudden we were not going to offices anymore, right? Everyone was at home, starting working from home, or a lot of people at least. And all you could see from someone was the little Zoom tile. 
and other, let's say, more traditional status symbols that would come to your mind, like a company card, your designer handbag, or the Rolex, uh, for instance, were invisible anymore. And that's really what sparked the idea for this book. What what has changed about status symbols? Are they no longer are they no longer as important as they used to be? Are they literally changing? So that the idea of, of of showing your status is the same, but the symbols that we use to show that status are changing. What what's going on? Yeah. So yes, the symbols are changing. I mean, just when we talk about status symbols, we talk about objects or activities or characteristics that signal the status of a person. And so status symbols depend on your comparison group and they depend on the spirit of the times. And so the COVID-19 pandemic was really something that, well, changed our society in ways and new status symbols um, arose where other status symbols became more visible. Something Fabiola and I did is that we asked 150 people on their uh, perception of different status symbols and how much they believe these um, different things to be status symbols. And we had a whole list of things they ranked. But we also asked them, well, what other things come to your mind? And they they spoke about things or they noted down things like traveling during the pandemic or being able to work from home or even during the times of the vaccination, being one of the first people to receive this vaccination. And so these are very specific status symbols during that time because not everyone could have them. Yeah. Nowadays, we see another change. So status symbols keep on changing over times. Yeah. And what what are so the changes that happened that has happened after the pandemic? What kind of status symbols have now emerged? What's what are the, what are some of the main ones that people are are doing or buying in order to show where they are or how high they are in in society? I wouldn't say that. Well, we can make a cut with the pandemic, and now it's all different, right? I think it's a continuous change that we see over time. Um, but what we see that um, topics that are more important to people nowadays, maybe sustainability, right, a conscious lifestyle uh, that impacts status symbols, making um, electric cars something that serves more of a status symbol now um, compared to, well, let's say more traditional cars or solar panels, right, could also serve as a status symbol. So by buying solar panels or driving an electric car, I show people how much money I've got, therefore how much how much higher in society or more powerful I am? Yeah. So wealth um, um, is really, it's, it's something that we do signalize through materialistic status symbols. And there would be the car, there could be the solar panel, there could be the Rolex. And we do have this materialistic side of status, status symbols for sure. And that's still out there. And we talk about cons conspicuous consumption in that context. And you do want to show your success and want to show maybe the wealth you got. And we live in a capitalistic world and these are status symbols here. But also other examples of these non-materialistic status symbols could be knowing the right people or knowing how to behave in a certain environment of people. It could be a healthy lifestyle and or maybe having time, right? Having leisure time, being able to say, oh, you know, I work a four day, uh, four day a week. Right. So that's really we see more niche niches here when it comes to status symbols and a, um, more of a differentiation. And so you're talking lifestyle here. So if I let's say I, I eat vegan and I go I go running in the morning and yes. I've got I've got paintings hanging in my house. These are all things that I use 
or that I that I I do not necessarily because I love to do them. It's because I want to show other people who who I am in society. Does it go that far? Or yes, it, it does go that far. I would say, and it's really um, well. You can I don't know. You can hang a specific painting in the background of your Zoom calls, which you are literally <laughs> doing right now, Leo. But that <laughs> painting behind you is that. Are, are you trying to cool. show me how what, your status or what? Well, it's kind of cool. My partner made this, right? Um, okay. So it's kind of fun. Okay. Um, unfortunately, people cannot see it now on the, in the podcast, <laughs> but um, it is a nice painting, I have to say. But it's really, do you use it only to signal it to others? And is that your main reason to do so? Or is it, it might also reflect your intrinsic values, right? Because in the end, status symbols are a way of communication without words. Um, I think this is a really important question because uh, I asked our listeners, a week ago, because I said that we were going to do something on status symbols this week. And a lot of the people that wrote in, actually more than half, said that status symbols weren't important to them, even to the extent where they don't care or that they don't need them. What would you say to those people? <laughs> I would say that you um, might have not thought of the variety of status symbols that are out there. Um, and to really reflect, it's really a call here to Think of it um, on, in a broader sense. So, yes, status symbols are things that are rare, right? Not everyone can have them necessarily. So if you think back of phones, mobile phones, back in the day, very few people could have them. Nowadays, a lot of people have smartphones. Um, and then this doesn't serve as a status symbol anymore. So it really, it changes over time. Yeah. And also for you personally, so something that you might care about now, um, where you where you would say, oh, that's a symbol, relevant symbol for me, might not be a relevant symbol for you um, years down the road. My daughter right now is 11 years old. She's in sixth grade and there's a certain kind of backpack yeah. that, she, that she wants. Okay. Her backpack right now is perfectly fine. Perfectly. Yeah. It works beautiful. It's a nice brown corduroy. I love it. But she <laughs> wants a different kind of backpack and i bought her i bought it for her for christmas and and gave it to her and based on her reaction it was really 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 important for her to have that backpack what is why what is going on there why does she need that particular backpack i well, need to know this leo but please <laughs> well it's her peers who do have it too right and she wants to belong to this group and uh, that's why she really wants this nice new super cool backpack that everyone got and is not happy with maybe the old older one that you gave her that we would say oh it's so vintage it's so fun and cool such a unique piece yeah. um it doesn't have this importance that relevance to her as it does have to you yeah so it really depends on her personal framing of it. Yeah. Um, we have an interesting uh, chapter, for instance, um, in, 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 in our book um, that talks about gaming and esports. And that's a field that I'm not very familiar with, I have to say. But there, um, our authors, Christopher and Melanie, they talk about um, these skins. These are like virt virtual items that people can purchase online. Yeah. And these um, video game brand companies, they collaborate with uh, luxury brands. I don't know, it could be Louis Vuitton, for instance. And this creates a whole new field of um, status symbols. And yeah. I think this moving to the digital world is also something that we see when it comes to status symbols. So it could be, well, like I said, 
the idea of gaming, but it also could be um, digital literacy. Um, so, you know, being able to use digital tools and we also get a chapter on that in the book. So that could be something. Or when we see the whole field of influencers online on Instagram or TikTok, um, all these social media platforms, that's also a whole new field for status symbols that opens up um, new areas. So I think that's really interesting to see the so variety. What, so what you're saying is that me wanting a star on my car, my daughter wanting a, a spe backpack. specific kind of backpack, and people gaming. The, the symbols don't matter. It really depends on the people around you. Yes. And for for some, it might be the stars, for others, the backpack, for for others, I don't know, the solar panels. But yeah, we all have these little little symbols. So I, maybe that's going to be the outcome of this podcast that people, um, you know, sit down and really just like reflect on what are the things that are important to me? How have these changed? What yeah. do these tell others about me? What do I signal with these things? Well, maybe the people who wrote to me saying that they don't need these symbols have have gotten have gotten farther than than me or my daughter, and they have truly realized that these objects don't matter, uh, and therefore they don't need them anymore. Is is that is that a possibility, or can we can we overcome or escape this need to compare ourselves with others, or is it a fundamental eternal? <laughs> element or is it just the nature of human desire that that would i guess that would be my question well would you say that comparing yourself to others is necessarily bad i wouldn't because it really it helps it it helps us to learn something about us it helps us to motivate us it can be a driver for change and yes it can be negative if you're only focusing on others and how to be like them so it's important to also be I know, be true to yourself, see your intrinsic uh, motivations, well, what's part of you, right? Yeah. So yes, it, I think it can go go wrong, right? If it's too much of that, yeah. but comparing yourself to others generally is not negative. So what, what for, for advice for people listening to this right now is that although it doesn't matter, it does matter. Like my, my daughter, like I was explaining, she, she was, <laughs> there was something missing in her life without that backpack it seemed like if if we've got people listening to this broadcast right now who are in in desperate search of something to get that feeling of belonging or identity or fulfillment is there advice for for these people should they go after the, all these objects regardless the costs or or should you go in the go into the woods and and understand that these objects are are meaningless and they're in a constant state of flux or what 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 exactly would be the advice for people listening right now. I don't want this podcast to be a call for consumption to go out and buy everything. This is definitely not where I want to go to. Yeah. But I think it would be called to think of the variety. Because once you realize it's not just the materialistic things, it's also the non-materialistic things. It could be some sort of a lifestyle that you live, maybe being vegan or, you know, and this that's also um, important, but you shouldn't just be vegan because you want to um, signal something, be part of a group. But ideally, it should be more of an intrinsic motivation, something that you really buy into that's that's true to yourself. Mm. Yes. How long have you been working on the the concept of status symbols? Well, our whole idea of looking into stat status symbols arose really with the COVID-19 pandemic. So pandemic. Um, okay. that was 20... 
well, 22, 2021, and then the book was published in uh, 2022. And what I love about the topic is that, you know, every time I talk to someone about it, new ideas come up. I once gave a um, guest lecture at USC, the University of Southern California. Mm -hmm. And what I always do in the beginning, I ask, oh, so when you hear the word status symbols, what are your first associations? What pops up in your, in your head? And uh, one student described that he himself is kind of like a status symbol for his parents because he's attending USC, so this prestigious university. Mm. And it's really interesting because that's something I never thought about before. Mm. And what, what are your status symbols now? Can I ask you that? Can I, can I get personal? What, what, are, yes, what are your status symbols? Yes, you can. Symbols? Because they're not bad, right? So it doesn't hurt to say them. Well, I do like running a lot. And I ran um, a fast Berlin marathon in September. And so in the running community that I'm part of, that definitely um, serves as a status symbol, right? Um, but it might not mean anything to people who are not into running. Have your status symbols changed? <laughs> what did you desire be before that you don't desire anymore? Well... I can go back now that you, you know, brought up your daughter um, and, and her uh, desire to have this fancy backpack. Thinking back of me in elementary school, um, everyone was collecting these notepads of, um, it was called Diddle Mouse, like a little like mouse drawing on these notepads. Mm. And you would buy these notepads and exchange the papers and have a whole folder and collection of it. And the bigger your folder, the more different papers you had, the higher, I guess, your status, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that was important to me back then. I have to say nowadays, I guess it's somewhere in my parents' basement, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know where this folder went. So it doesn't really have this personal relevance to me anymore. It doesn't serve as a status symbol in my comparison group nowadays anymore. And we um, we put this, um, and I will say cool graph into the book where people can, well, pick different status symbols that they have or have had. And over time, you can really, you can draw how the relevance of it has changed for yourself personally. And now, I mean, it's the beginning of the new year. There isn't a better time to reflect on what's important to you and who you are. And um, maybe now's a great time to to think of these things. All right, that was Lioba Gierke. She is a researcher in, in, in Dusseldorf. And unfortunately, the, the book that she edited with all kinds of interesting essays on the idea of, of status symbols is in German. Now, the title, I, I'm not going to read it here. It's, it's German, something along the lines of how status symbols are changing, what others have that we can't. Unfortunately, you can't read it unless you can read German. And I'm assuming... I'm just, yeah, I'm just assuming that the people listening to this right now can't do that. Um, too bad. But what you can do is tell me, please tell me, what, what are your status symbols? Are they important? Why? Why not? SU at DW.com. Thanks for listening. And by the way, you know, Connor will be back next week, and I hope the show will get a lot better then. Let's
DW made for minds.